Welcome to the Future.Bible podcast, where you'll hear profiles of individuals and Bible-inspired organizations making a difference in the digital world. In each episode, we'll bring you stories of innovation, advancement, and real-life change. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast today. Uh, this is the place where DJ Chuang and I get a chance to interview leaders, innovators, and entrepreneurs at the intersection of Bible and technology. And I love this show because we get to look ahead, but we also see what's happening right now in this space. And today, uh, I think we're fortunate to have uh, a leader, an innovator, and an entrepreneur with us. We have Bob Pritchett joining us for today's conversation. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thanks. Glad to be here. Now, Bob, um, you are the co-founder of Faith Life Corporation. You're the makers of one of the most popular Bible software. And I'm going to actually, the first question is going to be uh, um, a long, um, long-standing question that most people have about that software name. And uh, you serve as the president and CEO there. You, uh, have, Bob speaks at industry conferences all the time to academic groups um, to, on entrepreneurship and electronic publishing, about digital libraries in the future. Um, Bob's been the winner of the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award and one of Glassdoor's highest rated CEOs. Um, and you'll, I think, get a glimpse of why um, everybody that's coming out of his teams and organizations are innovators and just have this DNA uh, that I love. So welcome and really looking forward to being with you here today. I'm going to kick off the question with this. Uh, it's almost like the, the question about G-I-F, GIFs or GIFs, how do you pronounce your software? Is it Logos, Logos? Tell us once and for all. Everyone. And uh, we've used different ones at different times. Uh, for many years, we said Logos. But I'm actually trying to say Logos more often now because that's as we go beyond uh, just selling to seminary graduates, uh, we want to be more accessible to the whole church. Um, I joke that I could give a, a lecture on how not to name a company or a product. <laughs> um, it logos and uh, logos are actually both correct, and really it depends on which school you went to. Some schools use the Erasmian Greek pronunciation. Some use a different Greek pronunciation. Some people actually prefer to use modern Greek pronunciation. So uh, the great news is we'll answer to all of them, and, and neither are wrong. <laughs> now, how long has that software been in existence? It just feels like. Um, it's just one of those things that's been around almost since um, Genesis, right? So how long has the software been available as a tool to the community? Yeah, we built it for uh, Windows in 1991, and it's actually based on some ideas from a Bible software program I wrote in high school uh, back in 1986. So we've been doing this for a long time now. Wow. Well, 1986, that's like pre-internet. Pre-smartphone. Yeah, even our 91 release was pre-internet. We distributed on floppy disks and, uh, you know, the five and a quarter inch floppy disks before the little wow. plastic disks even. So, yes, we, uh, we got our domain name in 1991 when uh, there was no web yet. The web hadn't been invented. So Now, we- back in, now today, right, we talk about pay-per-click and Facebook ads and social being a very efficient way of getting to people. Um, what was the number one spend in terms of marketing and advertising getting to your customers for Logos back then when it's pre-internet? It was Christian bookstores. So we sold primarily for Christian bookstores 
and then uh, early on conferences as well. So we do a lot of live conference presentations. We send people out to demo the Bible software or teach Bible study techniques using electronic tools. And we've been at uh, hundreds of conferences every year for a very long time. That's amazing. And now uh, we're in a world where uh, most, a lot of people have smartphones. Mm -hmm. uh, they have tablets, they have internet connectivity, and uh, they're very uh, active on social media. So what, how has Logos adapted with the times? And then we'll take a little peek at the future. So one of the things I like best about our, our platform choices is because we're pre-internet, um, while we've rewritten the software many times, and certainly the version we use now was all written in the web era, um, we learned that many people are not online all the time. Right? So it's easy to think that we're all on the web all the time, but there's people who are working on the bus on the way to school or to work. There's people who are missionaries in countries where they've got sporadic internet. There are you know, rural customers who just have you know, DSL dial-up or, or bad connections. So we are not really cloud-based software. We are cloud-synchronized software. And that's pretty exciting because it's actually more powerful. And in fact, you see a lot of apps that were cloud-only actually moving that way. Evernote's kind of that way. It works when you're offline, but when you get on the internet, it synchronizes and matches everything up. And that cloud synchronization means you don't have to use the internet to use our platform, but it, you know, even if it's a week before you get back to that internet cafe, you know, after you get back from the mission station in the jungle, it still, you know, it connects everything up and synchronizes. So we're on Windows, Mac, iOS, Android, uh, the web, and you can use anything you know, any of our content and any of those platforms, but you can also use it when you're offline. Now, yeah, are you thinking really, about embracing yeah. other things that are coming down the pike? Like right now, all the rage, I think, is um, um, voice, right? Everyone's looking at voice and saying that, uh, you know, I just, I got a rental car on my last trip and there was Alexa integrated into the car and they're making um, waves everywhere else. Right. There's an Alexa microwave, Alexa clocks, right. um, Google. And I was just at Costco and the Google assistant is everywhere now. And so um, are you looking at other types of interfaces like that? Or is it always going to be that type of display Absolutely. that needs to be the interface? We're interested in taking Bible study everywhere our users are. So um, not only do we have ebooks, we have video at Faith Life TV. Um, we actually have a video Bible at Faith Life TV, which is kind of cool, where you can actually just take the flat screen in your living room, and it will someone will read the Bible over pleasant background music while putting each verse on the screen one at a time, and it just runs. You can go through the entire New Testament on, wow. on the screen. Uh, and people do that. They just turn it on for hours. Um, we have voice interface. So we have a thing called Faith Life Assistant. It's built into Logos Bible software. And it's, uh, we're improving it on both Google Home and Alexa. So you can say, you know, Alexa, ask Faith Life for the verse of the day. Uh, Alexa, ask Faith Life, who was Moses? Um, it actually can answer questions about thousands of people from the Bible and different wow. facts, as well as read scripture to you, read you the next section from your Bible reading plan. So you could just start the morning with Alexa, ask Faith Life to do my Bible reading and kind of have your Bible reading read to you. And then are you looking at AI and deep machine learning for um, any of that, you know, commentary content or, or facilitation of study? Absolutely. Uh, you know, at one level, Bible study is that, you know, it's about the journey, right? It's not just the answer, right? The answer could be simple. Jesus loves you and you need to believe. <laughs> but uh, with, 
the machine learning, we're not doing the same things that other places are where they're like trying to extract the answer in the simplest way, right? But we are using machine learning techniques to help you organize the content. We have 130,000 books related to Bible study in our platform, and that's a huge amount of content and more than most people can absorb. So we've done lots of automated analysis for everything from, you know, Greek linguistic structure to help people, you know, uh, parse the texts to um, starting to do things like looking into clustering and organizing, right? If I have 85 commentaries on this passage, I don't have time to read 85 commentaries, but I'd like to read the five commentaries that have the most different viewpoints because I want to see different perspectives, right? And 10 of them might all agree. So if this machine learning could kind of organize it to say, well, these 10 commentaries kind of all take the same position or talk about the same elements. And this other commentary, you know, it's digging into, you know, the, the Greek words or something. So th this group is different in its perspective. That would make you more efficient in your study by kind of giving you the, you know, the best ones to take a look at. And we are, we have some machine learning experts on staff uh, and some computational linguists, and we are, are exploring how we can use that to enable those kind of features. Wow, that's so interesting. There seems to be a shift in uh, what people might call pedagogy in terms of how we learn. Can, can you tell us about how you are seeing people learning differently rather than just from the scholars of the past, perhaps we're learning from each other in, through social media and the short attention span? Right. I mean, our tool is definitely uh, popular with people with long attention spans, right? Um, <laughs> something like half of the Logos Bibles of our customers spend, you know, 15 hours a week in Bible study, right? They're pastors doing sermon preparation, people leading Bible studies and home groups, right? So we're a great tool for that. I mean, if you want to write a dissertation, you absolutely want to have Logos Bible software to do that with. But I know that so many of us are, you know, are not digging in, right? We don't have the time to sit and read a book or to go through a course the way that we'd like to. And we're actually getting a huge amount of our information through feeds, right? Your Facebook feed, your LinkedIn feed, your email is kind of like just an endless feed of things coming in. And people are getting stuff in short things. And what I noticed about myself is, you know, myself and my kids, right? My, my kids are in their early 20s now. They learn a lot from YouTube right? When they want to learn something, they go and watch a five minute video on YouTube about how to do it. And I'm learning things kind of against my will on Facebook, right? I'm scrolling through Facebook and then here's a video about, you know, how we make some part of a car and I get sucked into learning about how electroplating works, right? Or, you know, here's a video about how the electoral college works, or here's a video about how to, you know, make cheeseburger pie in a crock pot or whatever it is, right? And those things, we think of them as, you know, the, the kind of chuff of the internet, but they really, uh, they're, they're education, right? They're small bits of learning and education. So what if we could harness that, that process people are already going through to deliver Bible education? And there's people like the Bible Project that are making Bible education videos and putting them out there on social media. And we're doing that in Logos as well. And we're also equipping pastors to share that content intentionally through faithlife.com. So if you go to faithlife.com, we're building out full platform for church management and lots of things for communicating with your church and congregation and all of that stuff. But you can also share biblical content. It's super easy to just see something in Logos Bible software and say, I want to share that with my home group or my church or with the public. And that content goes out with a link that takes it back into the Bible software. So you can share a verse, share a quote. We make it super easy to make um, social graphics based on the quotes, um, right down to um, if you share a quote from Spurgeon in our software, we have pre-made backgrounds with Spurgeon's picture in them, and it automatically picks a Spurgeon graphic when you wow. share a Spurgeon quote, 
right? And we do that for hundreds of authors and lots of books. So it makes for a cool social media graphic, but then if they click on that to go beyond the quote, it can take them back to the book and back to the source. And then with the uh, media we put in the Bible software, like we have a, you know, a four or five minute background on the archeology span of Ephesus, right? And when a pastor is preparing a sermon in Ephesians, Logos Bible Software will bring up this video on Ephesus. And the pastor may watch that and find it helpful. But not every pastor is going to take four or five minutes out of the sermon time on Sunday to show this background video in Ephesus. But it'd be cool if you could, the congregation had access. So we're building features into the Bible software where the pastor can say, as they're preparing a sermon, this was useful to me. I like this video in Ephesus. And, oh, I like this quote that Martin Luther said about it. It doesn't fit my sermon, but it's really good. And, oh, I really like this particular commentary on the passage. And that content then gets shared to the church's faith life group. And the congregation during the week when they're checking the calendar or coming in to say, yes, I'm going to volunteer to, you know, be in the nursery this weekend or whatever, that social feed has that content that the pastor has shared intentionally. So the pastor is going to preach on Ephesians this weekend, but you've watched the archaeology video in Ephesus and you've, you know, watched the little video segment from one of the courses that he looked at on the background in Ephesians and all this way of kind of drawing people in. And if we try to make it too heavyweight or too intentional, right? It's like, are you ready to sign up for a 12 hour course on Ephesians? No, you know, that's, that's too much for me right now. I'm too busy. But when you're looking at that feed or even looking you know, you're going through Facebook and your pastor has shared a video on, you know, the cool archeological remains at Ephesus. Well, you get sucked into that, right? You end up watching that while you're waiting for your wife to come out of target or whatever it is. <laughs> and, and that's what we want to do is we want to redeem all those little moments uh, to get people engaged with the Bible. And I think that's a way that we can take advantage of what we might easily see as a negative about the kind of the transientness of social media and say, how do we, how do we redeem those little moments and take them the other direction? Can I engage you with scripture or education in that time? That's wonderful to hear that uh, logos and faith life are really keeping up with how people are uh, engaging with content and Bible learning. So uh, logos sounds like it has quite a rich and depth of history with a scholarly study mm -hmm. of the Bible. And then now you're also developing this uh, community through faith life to engage non-scholars and communities around churches. Right. To, uh, engage the Bible and you're using the latest uh, technology to help people do that. And as a, as a CEO, what is your uh, vision for faith life, you know, three to five years down the road? Uh, we are really excited about building a platform that churches use to uh, equip their congregations to grow in the light of the Bible. That's really our, that's our mission statement. We use technology to equip the church to grow in the light of the Bible. And so even as we build out church management tools and we have presentation software and social network and member management and giving and website hosting, all of those things, we're connecting them all back to scripture. Right. So the goal of engaging the church isn't just to pack the gymnasium or to get the youth group there. Right. It's to get people connected to God's word and, and into it. So we're bringing that filter to everything we do. Right. We we've got features coming up. It's like, how do we connect children's check in to getting parents to talk to their children about scripture? Right. And because we have such a massive content library and so many tools for Bible study, it's really equipping us well to do that. So I'm excited about serving churches in this way. And we're, we're building a platform that is really designed to be ubiquitous. It's not going to be expensive. 
it's going to be sold all as one piece to churches to say, here's one price. You get everything. It doesn't matter if you only need two parts of it or one part of it. You don't have to, you know, you're not getting nickel and dimed with 10 different add-ons and things like that. Our goal is really just to get this, this content and this technology in people's hands because we want to equip the church to grow in the light of the Bible. And the more we can put that in front of people and the easier we can make that be, um, it's great to sit and say, everybody ought to take a course, right? Everybody ought to get a Bible certificate from a Bible college. Or, you know, those are all nice attitudes, but they're not realistic about how people work nowadays. So I think so, we need to adapt what we do to them. That is, so that's, I'm going to, we don't have time to um, expand this big question, but I'll ask this one high level question. What is the church doing right or wrong in terms of getting their people to read or engage with the Bible on a regular basis. It seems that culture has competitively taken away the attention of the pew sitter, um, even physically not being able to, you know, the average churchgoer isn't going four times a month anymore, right? It's going two to three times a month. And we know that they're not reading the Bible every single day or even every week. And then they're not even holding their Bible to even find their Bible in their house to bring it to church. They're, you know, they're relying on what's in their pocket. Um, from your perspective, because you are, your job, I guess, from an everyday basis is trying to figure out how do we get our people to engage, engage, interact, and interact, because your products and services don't work if you don't get the attention span and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What's the one thing on the local church level that you wish was consistent or had more emphasis um, in, in, in that front? Are they missing the class? Are they missing expository teaching from the pulpit? What, what are they missing right now? Uh, you know, I think it's different at every church, right? So some churches are doing this really well. Some are doing it poorly. There's a huge diversity of what's going on. Sure. I think that uh, though we are in a world in general where, you know, the Sunday school class has disappeared, you know, the midweek Bible study may have gone, disappeared. You're right. People aren't at church four weeks every month. So, uh, and some churches are, are, you know, kind of preaching to the new visitors every week. Right. Right. So what we're trying to do is remove the friction. Right. People are we're, we're more and more used to convenience. We're used to instantaneous things when we're interested in getting answers as soon as we pull the phone out of our pocket. So we're just trying to adapt to that world. And what we want to do is equip the church to do that. Like there's other people doing this out on the Internet, but people have a certain trust relationship. If you've chosen to associate with this church, then you tend to listen to that pastor. You tend to look at communications that come from that church and it, it's going to kind of get through your filter more easily than something just coming in in general. So we're trying to equip, you know, every pastor of a 200-person church is not a social media expert, right? They may not know how to put together a social calendar of, of media posting and how to, you know, what content is most shareable and consumable online. But we can help them and say, okay, you're preaching on this topic. Here's social media that you can share through your channels where it's highly likely to get the attention of your congregation or the people you minister to, and it's designed to fit them where they are, right? We've shot hundreds of seminary-level courses with um, some of the best professors in the world, and we sell those courses to people who are, you know, want to get seminary-level education, but we intentionally shot those courses in five to 12-minute segments instead of 45-minute lectures, because who sits down and watches a 45-minute lecture anymore, right? But by letting the professors do what they call natural length segments of, you know, the, the little pieces of the lecture, 
you can sit and watch it for 45 minutes or, or 10 hours in a row, but with a five minute segment, I can share that and have more chance that you're gonna watch it, right? And then I can say, oh, you like that? Watch the next one, it's only a three more minute commitment, right? So taking advantage of how people really work in this very frenetic world of information consumption. Wow, wow, that's uh, amazing things that you're thinking about and preparing. Uh, one last question. If you had a magic wand and could just wave it and make a wish, what would you love to see in the world of Bible and technology? Uh, I, I would love to see this stuff get adopted, right? I would like to see people connected to their community, their church community digitally, right? I think what's happened is we've lost some of that. I show up at church three times a week community and we've replaced it in some cases with more of a consumer culture, right? I go to church, I sit in the pews, they, they, you know, deliver information to me. And then I don't think about it again until next Sunday or two Sundays from now when I come back. Right. So we want to see, I want to see these digital tools, not only help reinforce that community because digital communities, while digital communities aren't the same as authentic real life ones. If you have a digital one backing up your real life one, you can build tighter connections and better relationships. And then if we can use that to help people get that, that Bible education and pique their curiosity and draw them in. Um, that's what I'm excited about is, is making that connection happen. Well, thank you, Bob. Uh, after listening to today's conversation, if someone wanted to reach out to you directly, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? Uh, email's great. I'm bob at faithlife.com and I'm on Twitter at Bob Pritchett. Well, thank you so much, Bob Pritchett, for dropping by to share about all the exciting things you're doing and uh, what you're thinking about with tech and Bible and its uh, adoption by many more church great. leaders. I hope you get a chance to visit again, and thank you for an amazing conversation. Thanks. It was great being with you guys. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's session, please help us share this podcast with your friends, colleagues, and family members. You can do that by leaving a review on iTunes or by sharing our website, www.future.bible, with your network. Don't forget to join us next week for the next episode of the Future.Bible podcast.